0: Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. You know, I'm so thankful this morning to be able to speak and um, and and bring a message as part of the Noel series and. I do want to take a minute just to honour amazing senior pastors, pastors Paul and Kate Bartolo. Thank you so much. Um, you know, tonight we'll obviously talk a lot more about this, but to, to our morning, uh, I just want to honour you both publicly and, and thank you for all the years and uh, for everything that you've, you've taught us, all of the love and investment and things seen and unseen, things that I know about, things that I'll never, ever know about that you sacrificed uh, for Nikki and I personally, but also for us as a church. Uh, we can never, ever, ever repay you, but... Uh, uh, we can say thank you. And from the bottom of our heart, we appreciate and we love you. And church, can you just join me in, in honoring our, our senior pastors? With everything in us, both from Nikki and I, we, we, we truly value you and, and we're so thankful for a decade or, or whatever it's been um, of, of doing life with you. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it has been some crazy stuff that's happened and hopefully we'll get to share a little bit of, about that tonight. Um, breaking the glass on the bus and doing a whole bunch of things that that I did um, as a youth pastor. So, Nick, I've set the bar very low, mate. You're doing, you're going to be great. (laughs) Hey, today we're continuing our Noel series. And I have to be honest, when I was a child, the the Christmas carol, the first Noel, I hated it. it was my least favorite. You, you know the one, right? The first Noel, the angel did say da-da-da-da. Right? I think we, did we sing that last week? And it, it, I think we did, but like a cool version, right? When I was a kid, it was the lame version. And I just honestly, um, I, I don't mean to be silly, but I remember listening to that as a kid, and I'm like, okay, this angel, his name is Noel. Uh, that's what I got from the song, the first Noel, the angel. So Noel is the angel. <laughs> But I thought Noel was just a fancy way of saying Noel, you know? Like, so Noel the angel is going to announce Jesus. And honestly, I remember thinking as a kid, because I grew up in a Christian home, I love to read my Bible. I'm like, the Bible doesn't talk about Noel the angel. (laughs) I, you know, it talks about, you know, the angels presenting themselves to the shepherds saying, you know, uh, we come with great news of, uh, of great joy and peace on earth and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a knoll. Uh, a knoll, no offense if you're a knoll here, but I imagine a knoll would get to the shepherds and announce and be like, oi, you fellas, guess What? <laughs> I'm stoked. I've got this amazing news. When you hear it, you're going to be stoked. The whole world's going to be stoked. It's going to be awesome. So I never fully understood what this, this whole idea of Noel the angel was about as a kid. Uh, but we know from Pastor Paul's message a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't refer to Noel. It doesn't refer to the angel. But Noel uh, can mean a shout for joy. And uh, it also means it refers to Christmas, it can mean birth, depending which language you trace it back to, but uh, it can mean a shout for joy. And we believe that Christmas is worth a shout for joy when you know what it's all about. Uh, I love Christmas time. Christmas time is about fun, it's about family, it's about tradition. And over the last couple of years, I've had the, the privilege to speak every Christmas series, Uh, and so I started a bit of a tradition of always bringing, to, at the start of my message, some letters to Santa from kids that parents have posted online. And I thought, you know what, this year, who would I be to break a Christmas tradition? Uh, and so we're gonna have a look at some. Now these are all new ones that I found this year, and these are genuine letters that kids have written to Santa, uh, let's, let's check them out, they're gonna come up on the screen, okay? Let's see what gifts they're asking for. All right, let's check out the first one. Dear, I like this guy. Dear Santa, I want a pizza. <laughs> I want a pizza, that's it. Simple, easy, bellissimo. All right, let's have a look at the next one. Dear Santa, I wanted to tell you I'm fine. I don't know if you can, but could you possibly make it so I can turn into a dragon, please? Or a pet dragon, either one will do, though we would like it if you can make me turn into a dragon. How's this? P.S. Have a a happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Have a happy, I don't know what this is about. Let's check the next one. Dear Santa, what I want for Christmas is a stuffed chicken, Riley. <laughs> Pastor Paul and Kay, is that Riley? I don't know. I just found that online. Don't know if you posted that. I want a stuffed chicken. Setting the bar high for the parents there. How's this one, right? Starting from the left, okay. <laughs> to Santa, my dad told me about this guy. On to the right. His name is Krampus. And if you are naughty, you sigh and then say Krampus. And Krampus puts, you in the, uh, puts the naughty kids in his bag and takes you to hell. P.S., I had nightmares. <laughs> Love, Ella. Love with a frowny face. <laughs> my dad, that is Parenting 101. I'm not going to take lessons from that, though, for my daughter. That will be born, hopefully, this week at some point, So, uh, which is cool. We had Pastor Paul on standby for this morning because it was kind of like, you know, if, if we go going to labor, sorry, church, uh, we're, we're gone. Uh, we're, we're not, we're not. We're, we're, well, not that I'm doing much, but you know, Nikki, uh, I'll be there in support. All right, let's have a look at the next one. Uh, I think we have one more. Dear Santa, how are you? I'm good. Here's what I want for Christmas. HTTP www.amazon.com. This is dedication. Look how many letters that child had to write out, and I can imagine Santa typing it into his the URL into his web browser to find out. I love it. What a smart that. That's the 21st century for you, right? Next, it'll be like a QR code, and Santa just scans it, and it's like, all right, that's the, that's the uh, QR code. Anyway. Uh. But how good are gifts? Gifts are such a great part of Christmas, the giving and receiving of, of gifts. And we do this um, because we are modeling really the generosity, the love, the compassion of God the Father. Uh, Christmas for us as Christians, and uh, I wanna talk about this just for a moment, especially for our guests here. Uh, Christmas for us is not just Santa in the presence. Um, It's about the birth of Jesus Christ. That is when we remember that, when we celebrate that. It's not to say it happened on the 25th of December, you know, uh, 4 BC. It it, it happened, it, it is just the day that we celebrate that. And we recognize that. And that's what the real meaning of Christmas is all about, is that God gave us the greatest gift. Uh, As it says in John 3, 16 and 17, one of the most quoted scriptures of the Bible, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. See, Christmas for us is a celebration of the greatest gift that has ever been given to humanity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it's so great on, on, on many levels. It's great because uh, we recognize that this Son of God went on to die on the cross and rise again from the dead, which Christians, we believe that that paid for our sin. It, it, it allowed us when we were in a place of separation from God to come near to God and have relationship with Him, to have eternal life with Him, a whole bunch of stuff. But that's not all of the reason why this is important. Now, that is obviously a very important thing the death and resurrection of Jesus. But, but the, the birth of Jesus, there's so much more in it. There's so much more for us in this whole idea. It says this in Hebrews 1, verses one to three. It says, long ago, Jesus spoke to the fathers, or our ancestors is what it means, by the prophets at different times and in different ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. He is, talking about Jesus, he is the radiance of his glory, he is the exact expression of his nature, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, And he goes on to talk so much about what the death and resurrection of Jesus means. But in this, at the beginning of this letter uh, of the book of Hebrews in the Bible, he says to us that, hey, in the past, God would speak to us. He would reveal who he is. He would show us what he is like through the messages of the prophets and the wonders that he's done. But now... We've been given something so much greater. He is himself, the, the Son of God come, and he, he has spoken to us himself about what God is like. He has uh, revealed to us supremely in Jesus Christ what God is actually like. You want to know what God is like? You look to Jesus. See, the Bible tells us there, it says that he is those three things, right? He says that he is the radiance of his glory. Another translation, he is a reflection of the glory of God. It says at the end, by his power, all things are sustained. But what I want to focus on is it says he is the exact expression, or in other words, representation of his nature. The Greek word in there is charatia, and it's the same word that they would use to talk about a stamp, That goes on a coin or on a seal that symbolizes and gives authority to that stamp or, uh, sorry, to that coin or seal for the emperor or for the king. They would stamp the coin and that would give the coin value. They would stamp the seal and it would give it authority. It's the same word used for there saying that on Jesus, Jesus is stamped by the nature, the divine nature of God. He is the exact expression So when you look at Jesus, you see God. When you hear Jesus, well, you don't hear Him, but when you read about what Jesus says, then you're reading about what God is saying. When when you see what Jesus does, then you're getting a picture of what God is like. We look to Jesus. That's why he's so important for us in the Christian faith. It's because we look to Jesus as the expression of who God is, where we we learn so much more about what God is like. And, And this is so important for us today because it means that every part of the life of Jesus, we can learn something. Um, it's not just the death and resurrection. That is important. Obviously, it's supremely important to salvation, but it's not the only thing that God wants us to learn. Otherwise, why would there be the other chapters in the Gospels actually detailing what he did, what he said, what, you know, his reactions, all of that, right? There's so much more. And the point is this, is that we can even learn something about the nature of God simply by the birth of Jesus. We can learn something profound about God's nature just by talking about the fact that he was born. Uh, and, and came as a man. And that's what I want to focus on today. Uh, I want to talk about one just key thing about the nature of God that we can learn when we read through the Gospels. And the, gospel, uh, the Gospels, there's four of them for our guests here. At the beginning of the New Testament, there's four letters, or we call them books, uh, and they're called the Gospels or um, the, the Evangelists and they detail the life of Jesus. They actually tell us what he said, what he did, how he died and rose again, all of that kind of stuff. The rest of the New Testament is people writing about what that actually means and figuring out this whole deal of what it means for us as individuals, what it means for us as a community, right? But these first four books, they're all about the life of Jesus, and they actually give us a different and unique perspective, a complementary perspective, but a a different perspective on that life and what that means for us today. And and so we're going to look at just one of those today, and tonight I want to share on, on another perspective, uh, today we're going to look at, or this morning we're going to look at Matthew and what he believes and, and says about the life of Jesus, uh, but then tonight we're going to look at John and, and read about what John, uh, John's perspective on this, and together we can put together an amazing picture of, of who God is, and so what I would like for you to do, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1 through to Matthew chapter 28, including all the, I'm just kidding, we're not going to do that, <laughs> buckle up, we're going for it, <laughs> Um, in fact, we're probably not gonna even read too much of the book of Matthew, but what I would like for you to do is just open it up at chapter one if you've got it on your phone or you have a a Bible, a a physical Bible. And I want you just to skim over it as I'm speaking because you'll see some of the parts there and I'm gonna highlight some of them as we read. And, And the main thing that Matthew wants to reveal, I believe, through the birth story is this, is that God is a promise keeper. The birth of Jesus tells us something about the nature of God. And according to Matthew, it is that God is a promise keeper. I'm sure there's other things that it tells us as well, but today that's what we're going to focus on. God is a promise keeper. Okay? God is a promise keeper. So you can turn to Matthew 1 now. It's about what? Eight days till Christmas? Nine days? Something like that? So It's really close. Um, let me just put this bluntly. If this week is your week to do your Christmas shopping, you're doomed. <laughs> like, you're doomed. You're gonna, there's gonna be people everywhere. You're gonna be fighting people for a car park. Now don't raise any hands, but maybe you're the kind of person that when there's an open car park and you can see someone's got their blinker on, you sneak in and you, how much, that is like, that that is like a crime, you know, worthy of capital punishment right there, you know, like you may not be able to enact that capital punishment, but your eyes, man, those eyes are like, if I could, you'd be dead right now, right? It's, it's there's long lines. There's uh, uh, you know it's just it's so busy. It's like dodgem cars with your with your with your trolley. And you've got to strategize with your whole family about doing the shopping. It's like instead of actually parking the car, you, you do drive bys, right? Like you, you're like right. I'm gonna drive I'm gonna drop you off. And then you go in, and then I'm gonna just keep driving around until, uh, you know, and, until I need to pick you up, and at the right time, it's like going to the airport. At the right time, I'll pick you up, and it's like, go, open the doors, go, 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 and they're out. It's crazy, right? And, and because it's so crazy, there's obviously been a trend to uh, start not just doing your shopping in person, but actually doing it online. But when you do your shopping online, uh, it comes with its own set of problems and complications, right? Uh, the number one thing being this is that when you shop online, you, you don't know when it's going to arrive, right? Like you, it's one of the worst things. I hate it. You shop online. You know that the package is coming. Uh, you've paid for it. You know, they've, they've dispatched it. But you don't know, is it coming today? Is it going to come tomorrow? Is it going to come next week? Is it been a busy? Has it been lost? Yeah. And you constantly check it. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm constantly logging on and checking with the tracking number to find out where it is. Okay, now it's left there. It's there. It's there. So it should be here by about this time. What? It hasn't left there yet. Like I'm a bit meticulous about that. I check the mail every day. It's actually like well, Nikki will know this. It's like one of my favourite things. I don't know why. I love checking the mail. <laughs> it's mostly like bills or stuff that doesn't matter. Most letters, I actually, I just hand over to Nikki, uh, but I just like checking the mail. And so when I know a package is coming, I'm like checking it twice a day. I'm like, this is awesome. I can't wait for this to come, right? And so you wait, and it's particularly bad if you buy from like some dodgy website in Hong Kong, you know? <laughs> Or, or Guangzhou, you know, like one of, one of the Chinese kind of um, exporting places. Um, and it's like this dodgy website, it's not in English. And you don't like, it's not just that you don't know when it's gonna come, you don't know if it's gonna come at all, right? It, it, you're like, is this thing actually coming? And then when it does come, it doesn't look the same, it doesn't work. You plug it in and it breaks straight away. Um, and, and it's really dodgy. I remember um, being in Europe, Nikki and I, we sent a, a, a postcard to friends and family into the office here for all the staff. And um, it was on like, the second day we were there, and we were going to be there for three weeks. Um, the postcard came like a week and a half after we got back to Australia. <laughs> and we're like, hey, guys, here's our postcard. You know? It's just horrible trying to send stuff all the way here uh, to Australia. But, you know, if it's something you're really wanting you're going to be checking that tracking number every day to see exactly where it is and how far away it is until it finally arrives, right? You're gonna sit there with anticipation, knowing that your package is coming. And when you read through the first chapter of Matthew, I kind of get the same vibe. We're not gonna read word for word what's going on, but if you skim over it now, you can see that Matthew is almost like waiting for an online purchase to come. There's an expectation, of this Jesus coming. And it's been a long time coming. You can see he starts off chapter one with what? With a historical record of Jesus's ancestry. This is his online tracking. (laughs) He's he's put it in, man, he knows exactly, he's like, all right, I've been watching this thing to see when this will happen. And he traces the lineage of Jesus all the way back to Abraham, who was a very important man in the Old Testament, and to King David, uh, the, the first uh, major kind of king or uh, uh, king that uh, uh, was some incredible promises made to that we'll talk about soon. He traces it all the way back down and all the way down. He lists 42 generations and over 2,000 years of history in the space of 17 verses, now, you might be thinking, like, so what, right? Like, who cares? It's just a bunch of them. And this person, but got this person, but got this person, it's all the way down. But you've got to understand for Matthew, there is an expectation of what was about to take place. Because all those years ago, God made a promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 and said, through your descendants, all, or through your seed, singular, all people shall be blessed. There was an expectation that something big was going to go down. God made a promise in, uh, to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that there was going to be someone that would come that would not just sit on the throne for his life, but sit on the throne forever. God made a promise in Isaiah 7 that the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel or God with us. We've got to understand that Matthew and the people of Israel have been waiting for thousands of years for this promised blessing, for this promised king, for this promised Emmanuel or or God with us. And now Matthew's writing, knowing the ending before he starts, knowing that Jesus has died and resurrected, and he wants to make it super, super clear to us. That this God who promised something to Abraham, that promised something to David, that promised something to all of the prophets, he's not a promise breaker. He's actually a promise keeper. He doesn't just neglect his promises at the right time. He always brings his promises to pass. So when you read Matthew chapter 1, you see everything is in the light of this idea that God is a promise keeper. Matthew goes on and he tells about the, what's called the Annunciation. It's a big word, basically, where the angel, not Noel, but the angel, <laughs> Gabriel, <laughs> Noel goes hey, get a mate, ain't you going? It wasn't that. Uh, Gabriel gets, it goes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child. So it, and, and, and talks about, well, I've read the scripture there. And, and Matthew goes, he talks about the event, but then he says, this was to fulfill the prophecy In the Bible, in the Old Testament. This was to fulfill the prophecy that comes from, uh, I believe it is, Micah. Oh no, sorry, it's Isaiah. He goes on to then talk about the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in, in in a stable or in a manger. And he says, hey, this amazing event here. He goes on to say, this was a fulfillment of a prophecy to Micah. So God made a promise to Isaiah and he fulfilled it. God made a promise to Micah and he fulfilled it. He talks then in the rest of chapter one, goes about what's called the flight to Egypt where Joseph is warned in a dream, hey, the authorities are gonna be looking for baby Jesus. They're threatened by this. You need to flee. You need to go to Egypt. And so Matthew records that, but then guess what he says? This was to fulfill a a prophecy that was made by Hosea. Or in other words, God made a promise, and guess what? God has kept this promise through the life of Jesus. Every time you read something in the first chapter of Matthew, it is always in the light of a promise that God fulfilled. And Matthew is trying to communicate to you and to me this morning that God is the great promise keeper. If there's anything we can learn about the birth of Jesus is that God always keeps His promises. In fact, it's in His very nature to be a promise keeper and not a promise breaker. I know we say that all things are possible for God, and we mean that, but it is logically impossible for God who is perfect, who cannot sin to lie or to break His promise. God is the ultimate promise keeper. And I want to encourage you this morning, church, that God hasn't changed his nature, his character has not changed. He still keeps his promises today. He still is the great promise keeper. And I want to be real for a minute, because I would, uh, I reckon that there would be a group of people here in in the, in the auditorium, maybe even all of us, myself included, where we're now at the end of 2018, and we know we had a word from God, maybe at the beginning of the year, at some point. And we believed that God was going to do it this, this year. We didn't know, but we believed it was this year. We had a word from God. And we're getting to the end of the year and we're like, God, I haven't yet seen it come to pass. You made a promise, God, either through a scripture or just the Holy Spirit's spoken to you or someone's prophesied that over you or whatever it might be. And you, But you've come to tw- the end of 2018. You're like, I'm, I'm not seeing that yet. Uh, I, I want to say, look, firstly, you know, that, it, it, does, it does suck. Like, I can't put it any other way. Because you you believe God and you can feel disappointment. And in those moments, it can be really, really easy to become cynical when we place an expectation on God um, that may not actually um, be an accurate expectation for this particular season. And I know from my own experience that I, I can become very, very cynical very quickly. I don't know if it's just a, a, being a man, a, a male thing, but you analyze, you critique, you, you wonder why. And it can lead you down a path to just going, well, God, clearly you're not going to bring it about. And that's a real thats a real thing. I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have in some way experienced that before. I wanna say, you're not a bad Christian for experiencing that. I, I think that's just a normal part of the Christian walk. What's important is what we choose to do with that at that moment, because we do have a choice, and it's not an easy choice. Um, our choice is always to stay in cynicism and negativity or to choose to believe again that God is the great promise keeper. And it's... I want to say this with a lot of grace because it's not like I want to condemn any person here, but at the end of the day, they are our own, only choices. And we can't blame God if we choose to stay in cynicism. Oh. Uh, and we can't be disappointed when our cynicism doesn't um, produce the results we were hoping it would because cynicism, it never does produce the, the godly results that we want. Um, God always gives us the option. And today I want to encourage you that, and I want to remind you that maybe that is you. God, don't forget that God is the great promise keeper. Yeah, right. He is the great promise keeper. He doesn't know how to break his promises. And although you may not have seen it yet, that doesn't mean it's not going to come in the future. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we get so caught up, and I'm saying this from my own experience because I get so fr- I get frustrated waiting for the mail to come, right? My package to come. But I get frustrated so much by waiting for the promises of God to come knowing I've got a word from God. go, why isn't this happening? And I get angry and I get frustrated and I can get cynical. But it's, it's the wrong mentality that I've had on, on different occasions. God brings you back to going, no, you've got to choose to trust again that God has got a great future, that God has got his promises and that he is going to deliver. Because what it is is that it's like the mail. We get frustrated in that, that position between dispatch and arrival, Right? We've, we've paid for the thing that we want, it's, it's been dispatched, they've sent it off, but it hasn't yet arrived. But I want to remind you that the one that you have got your promise from, the one who is sending that to you, he is not some dodgy online company where you don't know whether it's going to come or not. He, he, he is paid for this promise not just with my, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ you got to understand that that God paid the price for your promise not you <laughs> And so God has a vested interest in making sure he delivers on that promise. Not only because he loves you and he he is merciful and compassionate, but also because it would just be a a, a blight on his glory to not fulfill the promises that he has made. He has a vested interest in that. But how many times do we get frustrated between dispatch, knowing that that thing's been bought, and the arrival of when we see it? I wanna encourage you, don't lose hope in the middle. Don't lose hope while you're waiting to come. Don't, don't lose hope while you're, you're waiting for, for this thing to arrive. Don't give up. Don't lose expectation. Don't stop uh, checking the mailbox for the things of God to come. Don't stop going to your Word, your Bible, which is really your tracking number, which is your reminder of, of what's coming. Don't stop going to that and claiming that over your life. Know that God is the great fulfiller of His promises. He doesn't know how to break it. And just because you haven't received it yet, it doesn't mean it's not on its way. It frustrates me to no end that the timing of God is not my timing. I wanna be the boss. I wanna say it needs to come now, God. Why didn't you know it needs to come now? Does anyone else feel like that? God, I know better about it. Man, I've only lived one lifetime. God's seen it all. <laughs> he knows what the best timing for me I'm not the first life that has been submitted to his leadership. There's been billions of others that have gone before me. When I read the Bible, God's timing is always perfect. He's done this before and he knows the timing that he has for you. So I wanna encourage you, don't lose hope. Don't give up. I believe today there are people here that are saying, God, I know you've promised something. I know you've got something for me. I need to grab hold of it again. See, maybe you're here today and you need to take a step of faith today again and say, God, I know that you're going to provide the job. God, I've been handing out resume, I've been doing what I need to do, but God, I know that you're gonna come through. You need to believe that again. Or maybe it's, God, I know that you're gonna provide the right employee. You're running a business and employees are going coming in and going out like a revolving door. You just can't seem to let get anyone to stick. But you know that God has given you a word. It's time to make sure you're standing on that word again. Yeah. Maybe you're, you're here and it's, it's, it's saying, God, I know, I believe again that you're going to provide the right clients for my business. I haven't been able to land the right, regular, consistent clients, but I know you've given me a word about this, God. I'm gonna choose to believe and not give up again. Yeah. Maybe it's God, God, I, I know that you've promised, you give me a word about a husband or a wife that, that, that you're gonna bring into my life. I know that's a call on my life. So God, I'm gonna believe again that at the right time, you're gonna bring that person along and I'm gonna become the person I need to be to be able to uh, uh, be the person they need in the meantime. Hey, maybe it's God, I know you're gonna provide that child or that grandchild I'm believing for. Uh, God, I know you're gonna bring that family member to salvation. God, I choose to believe that you will not break your promise on this. I choose to believe you will will not break your promise on sickness or disease. I choose to believe, I know, God, that you're gonna bring freedom to that area of my life that I thought I would be free in by now. I thought I would be free of this addiction. I thought I would be free of this anger. I thought I'd be free of this greed or this jealousy or this gossip that just, I always stumble into it. God, I thought, but I'm gonna choose to believe again that you are the great promise keeper and you've given me a word of freedom and I'm gonna choose to believe for that again. Come on, whatever it is, Now is not the time to give up. Let's not go into 2019 with a given up attitude. Let's choose now to go into 2019 still believing, still having faith, knowing that he is the great promise keeper. Hey, it says this in Hebrews 23 as I I land this. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. I love that. We just got to hold on. I, I like the language in that, what it describes. Because sometimes in life, doesn't it feel like this thing's moving 100 miles an hour and you're just like holding on? And I love that it's based on his faithfulness. You know, like, I, let's be real. Even, even as Christians, like we do our best, but even our, our best faithfulness is, is probably objectively quite unfaithful. Yet God is always faithful. And I'm not giving that as a license to do whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying. But just know that, that it's, it's based on God's faithfulness and you grabbing hold of that. You know, when I, I, I'm a pretty big fan. I'll, I'll finish with this story. I'm a, I'm a very big fan of my dad. Um, I'm so grateful for his influence in my life. He taught me um, to love God, to be a good worker, to finish the job I started. I just still hear him say that in my head. Um, to take the bins out on a Wednesday night. Um, you know, I, I love my dad. And uh, I actually know he'll be listening to this. He always listens to the podcast, so as parents, I guess, do. So love you, dad. Um, but he became a born-again Christian before I was born, um, when he was about 21 years old. And he was the only Christian in his family at, at the time. And um, I know that it was on his heart to... Uh, you know, share his faith with his family and to see them come to know Jesus as well in the way that he did. He had a radical change, radical transformation. And so he's told me I wasn't there, obviously, to see it. And I know he would always pray for his family, pray for the opportunities, believe God. God, would you allow them to come to you? Would you give us opportunities to share the gospel? Would you make a way? for them to follow Jesus. And over the years, his brother came to faith, which was incredible. His sister came to faith, which was incredible. Um, but he really wanted to see his, his, his mom and dad come to faith. And anytime he would share about it, he would uh, get dismissed or shut down. And, you know, they wouldn't wanna hear about it. Uh, my, my grandparents, my uh, nonna, nunno, they, they were you know Italians, they were staunch Catholics. Who, uh, who were very devoted and attended mass once a decade, you know, <laughs> but they didn't want to know about this, uh, this Christianity. And, um, you know, my dad continued to hold on to hope for another opportunity, for the right opportunity. And many came, but many times he was shut down. But when I was about 11 years old, um, my, my nun nor he was uh, diagnosed with bowel cancer, and so we as a family got to together and we believed in God, praying for his healing. But over the months, um, his condition deteriorated, uh, and um, and it was you know the battle was was sort of um, taken out of his hands. There was no more fight left in him. And it was in the last week of his life uh, that my dad was sitting with him, and I believe at the time they were alone. Um, and an opportunity came for my dad to talk to him about Jesus. You know, all these years, he'd been believing God for, for another moment like this. All these years, he'd been trusting in the faithfulness of God, in the promise of God, that there would be opportunities to, to share the gospel. And it was in this last week of my nunnal's life. Uh, and for the first time, as my dad decided to share or started to share, he wasn't shut down. Um, he wasn't told to shut up. He wasn't, um, you know, sort of pushed out of the room or anything like that. And I don't, I don't know the details of all the conversation. I don't know exactly what was said, but I do know this: is that that day, uh, my nunal gave his life to Jesus, and um, and a week later he died, uh, thereabouts a week later. And you know, I just, I think about the faithfulness of God in this moment. He who promised is faithful. And the thing I wanna highlight here, and I wanna be very clear on this, is that it wasn't God that made my nunal believe. It was still this free will decision. You can't force someone to have a free will decision, right? God can't force you to have a free will decision. It still needed to be his decision, but God was faithful in that he sovereignly and providentially ordered the event so that there was a moment where there was no one in the room, where my nunal was still conscious, where all of these variables were aligned for one last opportunity for my dad to share the gospel with him and i'm so thankful that my dad didn't give up on the promise he kept believing he didn't just go you know what i'm not gonna i'm not even gonna expect this anymore he kept checking the mail he kept the tracking out he kept believing god right up until the very end and if he had it, i wonder if that opportunity would have been missed but I know that he was able to make an eternal difference because he chose to hold on to the promise of God that God had given him, just for another opportunity to share the gospel. And I want to encourage you today, church, as we close this out. You know, what promises of God has God given you? The book of Matthew, the birth of Jesus. It reminds us that even over a two thousand man, that's a long time to wait. But even over a two thousand year period, God was faithful to His promise because he is the great promise keeper